we don't take note of that word that came from the Lord. In Mark 7, 21, and Jesus said, For from within the heart of men, it says, from within the heart, for within the heart of men come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, and everything else. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was preaching in one of those sermons, he said, for the Bible said that thou shalt not commit adultery. And then he added, he said, but even so I will tell you. He said, if a man looks at a woman lustfully, he says, if you will but look at a man, a woman lustfully, then he has already committed adultery with her. In other words, according to the law, that if you can conceive it in your heart, then you have already committed adultery. So if that is God's definition of adultery, how many people have you committed adultery with? If simply seeing and conceiving it in your heart is adultery, then how many people have you committed adultery with? And yet today, society seems to be bent on catching a man with a woman. And that's why Jesus said, when they brought to him that adulterous woman, he said to him, that's all right. She's guilty. I consider her of Moses. But let him who is without sin be the first to throw the first stone. Because the Lord knew that from within the heart comes sexual immorality, theft, adultery, and all kinds of sins. They are conceived in the heart. And that's why when God has sought a man the first thing that God will change from this man, the first thing that God will change from this woman, is that God will take out their stone, the heart of stone. Because child of God, I want you to know today that sin is not an accident. Sin is not an accident. Because sin is conceived in the heart before it can become an action it's a thought a thought conceived deep in the heart and if that thought is given attention it will grow and when the thought has grown child of God it is impossible for you not to sin if your heart has conceived it and your mind has processed it it is impossible. No amount of prayer can stop you from sinning when your heart has fully conceived it and processed it and your heart and your mind are in agreement. It is impossible. 
And that's why when God creates in us a heart of flesh, a heart of flesh can be subdued by the word of God. A heart of flesh can be subjected to the control of the word of God. A heart of flesh can be subdued by the spirit of God. But a heart of stone is impossible to please. A heart of stone is impossible to move. A heart of stone is impossible to warm. A heart of stone will always remain cold. And worse, worse, a heart of stone sins without remorse. But a heart of flesh will recognize sin when it has happened and take it to the Lord in repentance and admit and acknowledge that Lord I have sinned against you. A heart of stone runs away from the truth but a heart of flesh acknowledges when a mistake has been made. And the Lord repeated the same words in Matthew 15 from verse 18 to verse 19. Matthew 15 from verse 18 to verse 19. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these things defile a man. It says, these things defile a man. The things that come from within, they defile a man. For out of the heart come, now listen to the things that come from the heart. And out of the heart come evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. And these defile you. And the moment they defile you, there is no way that God can be near you. There is no way you can walk intimately with God. When you have been defiled, not from out, but defiled from within. So defilement comes from within, but defilement comes from your heart. It is impossible to seek God outside of a clean heart. It is impossible to have intimacy with God without a clean heart. Because while everybody else sees you on the outside, everybody will see you and that's why when a man dies if only God would stand at the funeral of that man and speak we would be surprised because on the funeral of a man they will read the biographies and everything good but only God truly knows the man and if only God were allowed to just come and say Two or three words. We would all be surprised. So yes, we can project something different on the outside. 
But I want you to know, child of God, that God knows you more deeply, more intimately than you can imagine. And if you are going to walk deeply with God, may you be more concerned about who you are on the inside than who people think you should be on the outside. Because your relationship with God depends on who you are on the inside because God sees the unedited you. God sees you when you think. God sees you when you think. As a matter of fact, before you think, God knows that you will think it. And that's why we cannot be intimate with God. It is because when God looks at your thoughts, and they are so dirty, and they are so cruel, they are so rude, they are so judgmental, how will you have intimacy with God? How will you have intimacy with God when you only think in your heart that you're more righteous than the person next door? How are you going to have intimacy? How can you even say that you know the Holy Spirit and you pass judgment on a child that the Spirit of God made with his hands? How can you say that you carry the anointing of the Lord and you pass judgment and you pass condemnation on the weak in Christ. How can you say that you are walking deeply with the Holy Spirit and yet you are the first to cast a stone at the guilty? The only way for us to be intimate with God is to accept that we need help. And most of those people, the Lord describes them in Isaiah 29, 13. Isaiah 29, 13. And he says, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And the Lord knows. He knows when we draw to him. And we draw to him with our lips. So that we can be applauded by the public. But child of God. When you begin to walk deeply with God. There is something that God will teach you. That the applause and the praise and the glory and the worship of men. Means nothing to him. But may you learn to listen to the silent applause of God where God applauds you alone in your secret room. And he applauds you and pats you on the back where no man will see. But may God be that witness as he pats you on the back and says, well done, my son. Because the applause of men will not take you anywhere. But the applause of God Everyone will know. The whole world will know. So yes, the Lord says that these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. And in public, you glorify the Lord. But in secret, 
you curse the very children that call him Lord. And yet you say that I am walking with the Spirit of God. No, you're not. Because you have to know that God loves people. You must know that God loves people. You must know that he loves people. Sinful as they are, he loves them. Wasted as they may look, he loves them. In your eyes, they may be useless, but in the eyes of God, they are more worthy and their value and enough that Jesus Christ had to die for them. And yes, they may be worthless. And yes, they may be living a sinful life. But you have to know that Jesus Christ loves them. That God loves them. That he sent his only son to die for them. And you may not know the work that God is doing in this person in their secret place. So in your eyes, it's enough to pass judgment. But God knows what he's doing. But this person will always be what you may never be in the eyes of God. You have to always remember before you pass judgment that God loves people. You have to know that before you condemn anyone, before you criticize, before you judge, before you accuse, you have to know that God loves people. He loves them. That's why he sent his only son to die. To die. To die. To die. And that's why he says that these people and who are those people who praise the Lord with their lips, with their mouths, but their hearts are so far from the Lord? It is those who are quick to cast a stone. But how can we know intimacy? How can we know intimacy with God? Without a clean heart. And Jesus quotes the same words of Isaiah in Matthew 15 verse 8. And he says, these people honor me. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It is possible to honor God with your lips. It is possible that we can praise and glorify him. It is possible. But God knows that your heart is so far from him. And he knows it. And yet every day you lift up your hands and you say, Lord, I really want to know you. And God knows that's not true. And now I'll say to you this thing. Jeremiah 17 from verse 9 to verse 10. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 to 10. Just so that you know the state of the heart and how God looks at the heart and why God needs to remove from you the heart that you have and give you a new heart. The Lord says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And listen to the part that he adds. And the Lord says, I, the Lord, such the heart. He says, I, the Lord, search the heart. And I try the reins. 
and even to give to every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. You have to know something tonight. When you lie on your bed, the Lord searches your heart. When we go to prayer and we get on our knees and we lift up holy hands to the Lord, the Lord is searching beyond your lips. God is looking beyond your lips and he's searching deep inside your heart. And God is listening to the unsaid conversations. He's listening to the unspoken prayer. And he's listening to the unspoken confession. Because the such is your heart. And therefore, what does God do to a man who has acknowledged and accepted that his heart is wicked and needs changing? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Hebrews 10, 22. And it says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. I love the part that says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. One of the things that God taught me when I just started to serve him is that God expected honesty from me. Honesty. Honesty. And let me tell you, child of God, today it is possible for you to go to the Lord and you say, Lord, I bless your name. I magnify you. I lift your name and you've gone to prayer. Let me tell you, child of God, that is worshiping the Lord with your lips and honoring him with your mouth. But God expects you to be sincere with him. And God taught me that if you're upset, don't come to me and say, you are holy. Come to me and say, Lord, I'm upset because someone upset me. But how many of us really go to the Lord and we say, Lord, you are holy, you are worthy, I magnify you, instead of you being sincere with God. God is interested in you being sincere, not flattery. God does not expect you to, fl don't flatter God. Go to the Lord and tell him, Lord, I'm unhappy. I am unhappy. I am unhappy because this and this happened to me. I am unhappy because my prayers have taken long to be answered. I am unhappy. That's how sincere you can be. If you are a father, I am a father. And if there's anything I demand from my children, it is sincerity. There is no sin I will not forgive if only the child will be honest. But if you flatter me and I sniff it, if you flatter me and I sniff it, from the spirit, you're finished. My children, they know. They always know. Don't lie to daddy. Because before you lie, I know you're going to lie. 
And I'll tell you the story from A to Z. Let me tell you, child of God, and this is how you realize that you're making progress in the spirit with God. When your prayer becomes sincere. Let me tell you. When your prayer becomes honest. When your prayer becomes genuine. When you begin to tell God the truth. Not managing God. Don't manage God's expectation. If only you will be honest. Honesty is honoring God with your heart. If you're not happy about something, say, my father, I want to pray, but I'm not happy. My spirit is grieved. Because until you tell, learn to tell God and to speak to him honestly, you will never be able to express your heart to him. And yet, the Bible says, Jeremiah 29 verse 13, it says, you will seek me and find me if you will seek me, search for me with all your heart. But you cannot search for God with all your heart until you learn to tell the truth. If you're tired of failing, say, my Lord, I am so tired of failing. I am so worn out. There come times when I go to the Lord and all I say, Lord, I have tried. And I don't know what to do anymore. And I say, Lord, I've struggled with this thing. I don't know what to do. And I say, Lord, if you don't tell me what to do, I will do nothing. How about you go to God if you're struggling with unforgiveness and you say, Lord, I am honestly, I really, really want to forgive. But I have tried. But I don't know how to forgive. Once I married a woman and she walked out. And one year I struggled to forgive. And every time I would say, I have forgiven her. But every time somebody mentioned anything to do with marriage, my heart got so flooded with darkness. And I would get so angry that I would shake. And instantly, I would feel something lift up from me. And every time I said, I have forgiven. There's nothing in my heart anymore. I don't feel it. It's not there. But every time somebody poked me, I would burst out in a fury. And I would be angry. Until I began to take this matter to the Lord because I realized that Satan was keeping me. He was keeping me in a cycle of unforgiveness. It was full in my heart. And yet I said, I love Jesus. I love the Holy Spirit. And I took it to the Lord in prayer. I said, dear Jesus, I really, really want to forgive her. But I cannot find room in my heart to forgive her. And I kept doing that. Then one day, 
And Jesus said to me, would, would you rather I don't forgive you as well? When he said that to me, it made so much sense. I said, what? Wait, no. No, 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 you, you are God. You cannot not forgive me. And the Lord said to me, I can. He said, I can. I said, how? I said, show it to me in the scriptures. Show it to me. And he showed it to me. He said, when you forgive your brother when he sins against you, then your father in heaven will forgive you. But if you don't forgive them, then God will not forgive you. That's the day I knew that God is not mandated to forgive. And I, I argued with the Lord. I said, what? I said, but you are God. He said, yes, I know. But it's my word. And I said in my word that heaven and earth shall not shall pass away. But my word will not pass. So yes, if you don't forgive, then I won't forgive. Is that simple? Do you have an idea? Do you have any idea how that felt to me? Knowing that there's a possibility that if I don't forgive, that God may not forgive me. And I thought about it and I said, how many times I went to bed with unforgiveness. And I knew that should I wake up and I'm dead. Then I made go to the wrong place. And I thought about those many times I went to bed without forgiving. Because I felt that God was mandated to forgive me. And God said, no, I am not mandated to forgive you. The same way you're not mandated to forgive anybody. But just so you know that my forgiveness is conditional. It is based on you being able to forgive your brother. If you don't forgive your brother, that's okay. Then you have tied my hands. That conversation that I had with Jesus changed my whole life. And he said, yeah. And I kept saying, but you are God. He said, yeah, I am God. But it's in my word. I can't break it. And he said, well, heaven will pass. The earth will pass. But I cannot change the word. I live by it as well. The word of God binds even God himself. He is bound by his word. That's how powerful. That's how powerful the word of God is. Because even God, sir, even God is bound by his word. So you can say, I will not forgive because me, God will forgive me. He will not. No, 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 no. He's not, he's not mandated to. When the Lord said that to me, it took me another one week to process. And I wept so deeply, so deeply. I said, but how can I forgive her? And the Lord kept saying, but why won't you forgive her? I said, but she's hurt me. He says, but you have also hurt me. I said, how? He said, every time you speak against somebody, you grieve my spirit. I said, what? He said, yeah. You've hurt me more times than she has hurt you. Because you also have spoken against other people. And you've raised your hand against other people. And you've judged. And you've condemned. And you've talked about other people. So you have hurt me more than she has hurt you. And the Lord said to me, the part that, that just made me freeze. 
He said, I've been more hurt by you. I said, what? He said, yes. I, thought, I said, I thought you were God. He said, yes, but I've been hurt. And you have hurt me so bad. And every time I think of you, and I still forgive you. And I said, Lord, okay. I know I cannot forgive in my own strength. Please help me to forgive. And when the law, when I made that prayer, it felt like a darkness lifted off me. And I wept for more than 10 hours on my knees. And all I said, Lord, forgive me for not forgiving her. And I said, Father, I forgive her. And I release her from my heart. Child of God, the peace that flooded my heart. It is difficult to explain in human words. Because that peace just overtook everything. It's as though I had never been hurt before. It takes a child who is walking intimately with God to be able to acknowledge that they are sorry. It takes a child who is walking intimately with the Holy Spirit to be bold enough and say, I have forgiven. Because forgiveness is not of the flesh, it is of the Spirit.